1: Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we're now into the second half of the 2019 NFL football season. And with that, the college football games just revealed their college football playoff polls this week. We're going to get into that and a whole lot more on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And with that, I want to welcome our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, how were you doing and how was your week overall last week?
2: Pretty good. Doing pretty good and a uh, overall pretty good weekend as well. Our service went 4-2 and two, uh, over the weekend in college football and NFL over-under plays. It's been a nice two-week run for us, 10-3 uh, overall. The highlights were the Sunday NFL Game of the Week winner on over the total in the Tampa Bay-Seattle game. And then on Saturday, it was a four-star best bet on TCU Oklahoma State over the total in Big 12 action. So overall, we're pleased. And I just took a look at the uh, the sportsmonitor.com websites. Of course, they track many of the nation's best handicappers. And uh, guess who's number one in college football winning percentage for the season? That would be King Creole at 11-4-1, 73% the next Highest handicappers at 64%. We've been very selective in college football with the over-unders. But uh, now 11-4-1 on the season. We're very uh, pleased with that and uh, looking forward to moving on to another winner this week.
1: And speaking of winners this week, Victor, there should be a lot of them on tap. We've got a busy weekend in college football. Showdown games. A couple of premier showdown football games, which might be billed possibly as games of the year. Obviously, bowl teams going toe-to-toe, National Football League. Uh, We're now, like I say, into the second half of the football season. We'll discuss who would be in and who would be out in the playoffs uh, in this portion of the show. But let's get to what it is we learned about the football card last week, Victor. And I think right at the top of the segment here, I think uh, I'll start it off with uh, what we learned is uh, sometimes making a coaching hire is not always in the best interest of a football program. That became apparent when Florida State hired Willie Taggart uh, from Oregon to take over that football program to help bring them back to their glory days, if you will. And uh, a little bit suspect I was, and this is not me throwing uh, throwing grenades after the fact, but uh, I think if Florida State had done their homework, you know, they would have seen that Willie Taggart in his in his previous stops was famous for his football teams being highly undisciplined. Uh, his two previous years, his teams were, led the nation in penalties. And Florida State was right there again that way this year. So they sort of got what they asked for. I don't think they did their homework. Uh, and because of that, Willie Taggart is now looking for a new job. So too is Florida State. And I don't know who that head coach will be. And where it is, Bob Stoops is not interested in the job. It seems like it would have been a great fit. For Bob Stoops in that program, that would have been a big shot in the arm. But we just wonder who will be next in the world of college football head coaching changes. And I'm sure, Victor, between now and the end of the season, we will see a coaching change or two.
2: And we talked about Taggart being on the hot seat uh, earlier this season on the podcast. To me, it kind of represents something that's dark in college football. And that's there's this new benchmark for urgency and a new level of, what some can interpret as a fiscal insanity in that he was canned just 21 games into his tenure in Tallahassee. I know the record was nine and 12, which is bad by a most power five school standards and B quite bad by, uh, Seminole standards. The, The sign that his hire was a mistake was there from his first game way back in 2018. It only intensified, from there in regards to Taggart. So on one hand, I know that he was on the hot seat, but uh, this benchmark for urgency causes a little bit of concern for me. But on the flip side, I do want to throw out what I consider to be a feel-good coaching story in college football, and for me, it's my man P.J. Fleck up there in Minnesota, a guy who's done wonders for the Golden Gopher program, Improving from five and seven to seven and six to the current eight and zero oh in his three-year period. In fact, Minnesota is so happy with his progress that he just signed a seven-year extension yesterday, taking him all the way to twenty twenty-six as the Minnesota head coach. And I've been, you know, watching a lot of Big Ten games on TV this year, and to me, watching him on the sideline, Mark, this guy—if you ask me—is the sharpest-dressed, baddest-ass coach. In college football, he wears that button-down, uh, crisp white shirt. He wears that Minnesota maroon and gold color tie that's not quite, not quite tied all the way up to the neck. He's got that <laughs> shaved, bald look going. Got the cool-ass shades looking, and he's got the athletic pullover. To me, uh, like I say, this guy is one of the sharpest-dressed coaches in all in college football. Congrats to the extension. I know they haven't played anybody. They don't, they don't have a signature win. We'll see how good they are this week when they take Penn State on another matchup of undefeated. But uh, I like what he's done to Minnesota.
1: He's done a terrific job with their football program. And in fact, uh, the college football playoff rankings were revealed on Tuesday night, and mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota found themselves in those rankings, uh, albeit number 17, and I'm sure the strength of schedule played well into that, and yes. you know they can take care of that ranking themselves this weekend by knocking off Penn State. They would vault themselves well into the top 10 by doing just that. So I don't think P.J. Fleck is worried so much about where he is right now, and neither should any team in the top 25 rankings be worried about that, because as we've seen in the past, since they've been doing college football playoff rankings, they change... Uh, they changed wildly from the first poll to the, the final ending poll, and we will see different teams other than those top four teams that made it here this year. Uh, I think the thing that surprised me perhaps the most, there were two things, Victor. My first take on what I saw on the poll rankings last night is, number one, what or who does Oklahoma State know to get inside the top 25? Uh, <laughs> this is, <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oklahoma State, I mean, that's a name and reputation uh, vote if ever there was one. This team has lost three football games this year. Uh, they won a couple of other very close-call football games. I don't know what they did or what they saw or thought about that. Uh, I guess they may stay there when they beat Kansas this week, but uh, I thought that was a little bit head-scratching. And the other thing to me was a little bit head-scratching is the fact that we saw the nation's defending national champion – the nation's undefeated defending national champion, who has done nothing wrong this year other than play one close-call game, not make the top four in the college football playoff rankings. That snapped a streak of 25 straight polls in which Clemson has not been in the top four, and I think that will only fuel Dabble Swinney in this football program here. They will be playing with a mission, with fire in their eyes, and I say to that, grab this tiger by the tail. You don't want to step in Clemson from this point moving forward.
2: Yeah, good point. I don't think that uh, overall they are you know pissed to be out of the top four. They're at the number five spot. Uh, as you mentioned, it's perfect fuel for Clemson and Dabo Sweeney, who all they have to do is take care of their own business, and they will be playing uh, in the four-team national championship playoff. I'll say this, though. Uh, they better uh, be wary of that Wake Forest game on November 16th. That could be easily the most difficult uh, opponent on the schedule in the final three weeks of the season. Again, I'm not surprised by the college football playoff rankings. We already have Ohio Ohio State's got three wins already this season against top 30 teams. LSU has three wins. Penn State has three wins. Alabama and Clemson only one win each. So we will see. I'll say this, and we're going to preview the game in a little bit. Alabama loses this game against LSU. They will not make the fourteen playoff.
1: Yeah, it's adios. Adios for the tide because there's nothing they can do to recover at this late stage right. of the season. Uh, you know, the L- LSU will go into the SEC championship game. Alabama won't have a chance to uh, to uh, amend that loss in any way, shape, or form. The question then would be, would they allow Alabama into the playoffs as a one-loss team, much like they did previously when Alabama won a national championship? Uh, the, the year they won the national championship uh, was in 2017 when they did not play in the SEC championship game. They went on to beat Georgia for all the marbles, and that could be the case this year. We'll see. But one other quick note here, Victor, of what I learned— Uh, about these college football rankings before you move over to the NFL side of things. And this may be a little bit prejudiced on my part, but I think it would serve the committee well to have a professional handicapper throw in his two cents on these rankings. And the reason I'm saying that is this. When you look at those rankings and the way they came about yesterday, there's a team in the top 20 that it has is seven wins and one loss, and is as phony as the day is long. And I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bearcats. This is a Cincinnati Bearcat football team that, yes, uh, they did, if you will, suffer their only loss to Ohio State, 42 to nothing, but they've beat Sisters of the Poor, and not impressively. Take a look at what Cincinnati has done their last four football games. I have never seen this. They've won four straight games in a row and have been out yarded in each of the four football games by 151 yards against East Carolina last week. This is a football team that is unraveling at the threads, does not play competitively on the field, head to head against opponents, but because they are a one loss team. They make the top 20 rankings here. And I think uh, when I say from a handicapper's perspective, uh, I think it's more more from the standpoint of what are the teams doing statistically? Not just their win-loss record and what their record is on the scoreboard. Everybody knows Cincinnati is 7-1. What they don't know is they're about to implode. They're going to host Connecticut this week, and we're gonna write, we've are going we written up this this game in the midweek alert, so you might want to read what I wrote about this particular game coming up in the midweek alert. Uh, about the Cincinnati Bearcats. but uh, And they'll probably beat, and they should beat. I mean, my goodness, they're 35-point favorites this week against UConn. So they win the game. They'll be 8-1, and, and they'll still appear in the rankings. But they're going to eventually unravel down the road here. Uh, when they play Temple and they... Uh, uh, play Memphis in the last two football games yes. and that's where this that's where everything could come to an end for the Cincinnati Bearcats that's a little bit of a half- ass rant about my take on the college football playoff rankings from yesterday but I had to mention that nonetheless <laughs> you're too tu- <laughs> you're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show and with that Victor let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things and ask you what it is that you learned in the National Football League from what you saw last week
2: Well, I finally learned that, yeah, there could be a week in the NFL in which 67% or more of the games can indeed go over the total. That was last week, easily the highest scoring week of the season in the NFL. 10 out of the 14 games ended up going over the total. That's 10 overs, 4 unders. The average point scored last week, 47.5. That was the highest scoring average of the season, excluding week one. Which was forty-eight point five, but uh, a a big week if you were an over better in the NFL. Um, the majority of our plays uh, were overs as well. So uh, yeah, a good day for overs. We're almost right flat down the middle again for the season in the NFL. Sixty-five overs. 69 unders on the season, and not only that, but last week was the very first week of the season in which all three of the primetime games, the Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night games, all three went over the total as well, so that was a first from the season. We may get a reaction from Andy when we talk to him later on.
1: Victor King visiting us uh, here on Mark Lawrence against a spread with his take a little bit of what he saw in the National Football League last week. And, uh, you know, one of my takes, Victor, from what I saw was the opening line that came out from Vegas. And I was absolutely floored to see the Buffalo Bills an underdog to the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, you know, I spent all Sunday night, all day Monday trying to rationalize and figure this out. Uh, In fact, I talked to a a good friend who writes uh, for the Buffalo News and he asked me why Buffalo is uh, is the underdog in this game. He said he had talked to uh, an odds maker from Cantor Gaming and they originally were going to post Buffalo as a one-point favorite. They thought about pick and they ended up putting... uh, The difference difference between pick and and two-and-a-half is not much in Vegas. So they ended up putting Cleveland in as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite in the contest. And uh, I think the justification might be the fact that Buffalo's played a very, very weak schedule. Five of their six wins this year have come against the Jets, the Giants, the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Redskins, and those teams are just 5-37 and 37 combined. But what's different about the Cleveland Browns? They're only 2-6 and six this football season here, mm-hmm. so uh, I, I, that's a little bit head-scratching to me, that particular uh, you know, Now, what did I learn from that? I learned that either the odds maker made a mistake, or I've got Buffalo a little bit overrated, in my opinion here. Uh, remains to be seen, but... Uh, That was my take on that. Anything else that you picked up on or what you learned last week in the NFL, Victor?
2: I I did take a look in the database because it's very rare when you see a team with a 250 winning percentage favored at home against a team with a 750 or higher. (laughs) And that's the case in this particular game. But get this here, in our database, going back to 2012, in Game 5 or greater, a 333 or less home favorite has gone a perfect 6-0 and against the spread against a 666 or better opponent. Maybe that factored in to the odds in this particular game, but I was like you. I was scratching my head when you thought that uh, it should have really been the other way around. The Buffalo should have been a three-point field goal. What I also learned this week was something that Mark Lawrence tweeted out in the NFL, and there was a perfect storm last Sunday in pro football we talked about the dominance of road teams this season. We talked the dominance about road underdogs this season, but maybe you can reiterate what you mentioned in that tweet on Monday about the perfect storm Sunday.
1: Yeah, what it was, Victor, is uh on Sunday the NFL teams not only went a perfect 11 and 0, the home teams did. All home teams in the NFL went 11 and 0 Sunday, but they also all each covered the spread. That's the first time in my database that has ever occurred, and in fact, it was the first time since 1998. Uh, in fact, the USA Today gave us a mention in the in the Wednesday USA Today about this stat and this fact. That it was the first time since 1998 that home teams on Sunday went a perfect 11-0. and The only other time it has ever happened was back in 1983. So those are rare birds or rare occurrences. So the question I'm going to ask you, Victor, is this. We know of the success that row teams have met with in the National Football League this season. It's been, it's been overwhelming, and we knew sooner or later there was going to become a regression to the mean with that. We saw at the beginning of that last week. Now that that's happened, my question to you is, Will it even out by season's end, or will the road teams continue their winning ways?
2: I think the road teams get back to their winning ways. You're going to see a lot of people playing the home chalk uh, this week. And uh, you know what you know what happens when we get people all loading up on one side. It's the other side that usually hits. Uh, we're going to see how good the Seattle Seahawks are when they take on the San Francisco 49ers in the Monday night game. I know a lot of people are a little sketchy on Seattle, particularly on that defensive side of the ball. But let me throw one more thing out, and I know you were on Seattle plus the points in that game against, uh, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay plus the points in that game against Seattle on Sunday. A very tough way to lose. You may have a rant in terms of NFL kickers I might want to throw at you. But, you know, in this business, Mark, we always, even after a satisfying weekend, we always remember the most recent game that recency bias, and we always remember that most recent bad beat, and that sticks in your craw like nobody's business, and that's why today, even 36 hours after the fact, even after a winning weekend, I still got that bad taste in my mouth from the Monday night game. I was one of many of the betters there that had action on under the total 48.5 points, Dallas versus the New York Giants, a game that was 3-3 three to three after one quarter, a game that was 16-15 to 15 after three quarters, a game in which we were winning heading into the last play of the freaking game when Daniel Jones got sacked by the Dallas Cowboys. They scooped up the fumble. They ran 65 yards for a touchdown with 20 seconds left in the game for the game to go over the total. Instead of cracking open the tequila, With a nice celebratory (laughs) shot for Monday Night Football, I ended up throwing up in my mouth a little bit, and I don't like the taste of that one bit, Mark.
1: (laughs) Totally understandable, Victor, and uh, that would indeed go down as one of the hardest bad beats of the National Football League season, the way that that game ended for sure, from an over-under perspective. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in my rant. One other quick note here uh, I want to pass along to our readers out there is two things. Number one, our friend Steve Crab, the Texas Tornado, shot us this email as we did the show Wednesday morning. And this is a really good, valid point for a lot of people that listen out there about looking for edges when it comes to handicapping NFL football games. Steve mentioned the fact that uh, when offensive corner changes are made, you absolutely have to take a look at the change and what effect it has on that team because you'll find more often than not that these changes, when these changes are made, the football team ends up establishing a running game and they become successful. Take a look at the L.A. Chargers last week. They uh, they let they pink slipped Ken Wisenhunt. Uh, the Chargers have been struggling offensively this football season here and then pick up a new offensive coordinator. And what do they do? The Chargers last week, they go out and they establish a ground game. They run the ball for 159 yards. Never in doubt a straight up win against the Green Bay Packers. So keep that thought in mind when there is an offensive coordinator change in the Mm -hmm. National Football League. Look to see if that new offensive coordinator isn't trying to establish a running game for his football team. Because if he does chances are often, more often than not, he will end up being successful and the team will benefit because of it. One other quick thought here, Victor, before I get to the rant here. National Football League playoffs. I would like to review these things. The playoffs started this particular week. Heading into this weekend, the number one seeds in the playoffs would be New England and San Francisco, number two, Baltimore, New Orleans, number three seeds from each conference, Houston and Green Bay, number four, Kansas City and Dallas, number five, Buffalo and Seattle, and number six, Indianapolis and Minnesota, with Pittsburgh and the Rams on the outside just looking in at the playoffs as they're evolving this week. And with that, Jeff, if you would, let's take it over to our rant as we get onto the rant for this particular week.
0: And now, this week's rant from Mark
1: and Victor. All right. We touched on this just a little bit earlier on in our opening segment here, and it was about the Seattle-Tampa Bay football game and the missed field goal that the Seattle kicker had uh, at the end of the very end of regulation. He had a 41-yard field goal to win the game. Seattle wins by three. Everybody that bets Tampa Bay takes the money and goes home and feels good. I was one of the people with Tampa Bay who had the game, didn't take home the money, and didn't feel good. And in the end result of what happened on Sunday was this in the Super contest we had five plays we had we went 2 and 3 a bad day is a bad day is a bad day but when all three of your losses revolve around place kickers that missed field goals or missed extra points and prevented you from going 5 and 0 instead of 2 and 3 It makes me furious, especially when you had those teams. And my question to you, Victor, is this. If you own a donut shop, you're there to sell donuts. You're not there to run out of donuts and tell people to come back when we got a new supplier of fresh donuts. When you're a place kicker in the National Football League, you have one job and one job only. And that's to kick the football through the uprights. You don't... Pat, you don't run around, you don't tackle people. All you do is kick the football through the uprights. And since they've moved this extra point back, uh, it's a little bit more exciting in a sense, yes, but it's also hair pulling when uh, you're seeing these kickers not only miss these extra points, but missing field goals as well. And after a week we had like that last week, uh, you know, I think uh, that if anybody's looking to create a new job opportunity, Unlike a quarterback coach, how about a place-kicking school for place-kickers? Because this National Football League really needs it. We're seeing teams go through place-kickers like practice squad players here. And it ends up having to put a bad mark on teams, especially from a wagering perspective. Now, that's my take, Victor, on a little bit of a rant. I don't know if you've got anything else that you want to go to as far as our rant section goes on this show today.
2: New England's already down to their third kicker of the season, and... uh my own personal thought is that <laughs> it'll never happen. I know that. But the NFL should seriously consider getting rid of kickers. They're no longer relevant in the modern game of football. Uh, every time a game is decided by a last-second field goal, make or miss, uh, I go back to, to discussing it with my dad when I was a kick, and that is that kickers have no place in football. You know, Football fans, they're, they're, they're conditioned to accept kicking as part of the game in that they never give it a second thought. But really, why? In a game built on throwing, catching, and tackling, does a random <laughs> player who has nothing athletically in common with the rest of his teammates have such an outsized chance to determine the outcome of the game? Even NFL head coaches admit they have no idea what they're looking for in a kicker. And any NFL head coach could probably tell you everything about every other position on the field except for one, kickers. And to me, that's proof enough that they don't belong in today's game.
1: Well, if I had to take a poll, Victor, I'd start in the city of Chicago when it comes to place kickers, and I'm sure uh, they'd be Parke, behind
2: us. Cody Parkey!
1: Cody <laughs> yeah, Parkey! No no, Oh, no!
2: Papa! <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to close out our opening segment here on the show. Don't go away when Victor and I come back. We're going to take a look at our college football game of the week, and what a beauty we've got on tap, the big showdown game between Alabama and LSU, when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread
3: it's time to experience the all-new playbook experts vip experience only the playbook experts vip experience offers we pay the juice conflict game notices tokens bonuses sms alerts and genius game alerts It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com. Or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts
1: VIP membership. Alrighty, guys, welcome back once again. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football and It's time for our college football game of the week, and it doesn't get any better than this Saturday. When Alabama plays host to LSU in a matchup of the top two ranked teams in college football, Victor, how do you see the Tigers and the Tide shaking out this Saturday?
2: Uh, three thirty Eastern kickoff Alabama opened up a six point favorite. I'm seeing them at five and a half as we record the podcast on Wednesday morning. over underline opened at sixty six. It's come down a point to sixty five. And yeah, that that's if you're thinking that that's a lot of points in an SCC game. It's also a lot of points in an Alabama LSU game. In fact, it's the largest over underline ever in the series by eleven points the previous high was 54 back in 2013, and folks, this has been a low-scoring series. Each of the last five meetings under the total, nine of the last ten meetings between these two teams under the total, and by huge margins as well. And Not a big sample size, I understand, but uh, when you don't have a big sample size, check the margin. That's the indicator. The average line of this series, 47.1. Average combined points, 30.4 the average game has gone under by 17.3 points per game in this particular series. We're talking about two different additions this season. I do certainly understand that Alabama 4 and 4 over under on the season. They started 4 and 2. Each of their last two have gone under. Similar results for LSU, 5 and 3 over under on the season. They started 5 out of 6 overs in their first 6 games but have gone under the total in each of their last two games. Yeah, we got some dynamic offenses, both over 500 yards a game. I cannot ignore the defensive numbers. Alabama allowing only 308 yards per game. LSU allowing only 316 yards per game. Number one, I like the value on the under, particularly at the line of 65 points. Another thing in regards to this game, Mark, is the fact that this could very well come down to the three most frightening words for any sports better. And those three frightening words, game, time, decision. And we're talking about the status of Tua. Tua Tungo-Vailoa, the quarterback for Alabama, game, time, decision in this particular game. Obviously, the offensive talent is there. We know that. Heck, these top four wide receivers for Alabama, all will be playing in the NFL someday I think they're calling them the bobblehead boys down there in Tuscaloosa for these four wide receivers that they have. And, in fact, when fellow SEC defensive coordinators game plan for Alabama and they look at the film, the two most common words they say is, oh, shit, take it on Mm -hmm. these uh, four great receivers. And, in fact, the offensive talent is there to keep the NFL shelves stocked for years. We might be even seeing next year's Cincinnati Bengals and Miami Dolphins starting quarterbacks In this particular game, another thing we might see is the Alabama student section sticking around for a full four quarters, too. What do you know? Now, we're going to see that both teams have a boatload of defensive guys who will be playing on Sundays as well. No, it's not. I don't see a 9-6 to battle like in that meeting back in 2011. But don't be stunned when the two defenses rise up a little and keep this from turning into a track meet. So we're taking the value with the under. I love the fact that the series has been low scoring. We've got the dreaded three words game time decision, a high over underline of 65. Yeah, we're going under with Alabama LSU.
1: Victor likes the defense in this matchup between LSU and Alabama, the top two ranked teams in the nation on Saturday. And before I get into my analysis, one quick point I want to make here that Victor's mentioned. This game does start at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. And I can't figure out again for the life of me why between this game and the Penn State-Minnesota matchup of two other undefeated ranked teams, that game starts at 12 noon Eastern. You would think if you're a television executive that it would be a ratings bonanza if you were to put one of these two games in prime time television. But nonetheless, they didn't. Uh, They have their own reasons of what they're doing. So be sure to tune into this football game, 3.30 Eastern, when the Tide and the Tigers go at it. This is the first matchup of a number one versus a number two seeding, ranking, I should say, between two football teams since they last met these two teams in that nine to six football game that Victor mentioned when it was uh, Alabama beats LSU nine to six in the game. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen a number one and a number two go head to head in the regular season here. LSU comes into the football game, negative number one and nine to the spread in their first of back to back road games. Good number five and one to the spread when they have SEC revenge. And the revenge in this game comes from that 29-0 shutout home loss they suffered last year in which they were absolutely humiliated. They were lost the stats by nearly 400 yards in the football game. So uh, you know that's going to be on the minds of LSU. This could be, once again, as Victor mentions, a matchup of the top two Heisman Trophy candidates should Tua Tagovaiola play in the game. And it's looking like, with the word I'm hearing, he is going to play. That would be Joe Burrow, the LSU quarterback, and Tua from Alabama, and that would be a showdown showcase just to watch all in itself. Bama has dominated the series of late winning the money five of the last six times. Bama has also won the money six straight games in a row against undefeated football teams. Nick Saban himself, in matchups of undefeated versus undefeated teams, he's gone 18-8 and eight against the spread in conference games just like this particular game happens to be. The negative for Alabama in the game is you don't find them in this price range very often. When I say that as uh, anything less than a prohibitive favorite, when they've been favored in Southeast Conference games by single digits, less than 10 points, they're just 3-10 against the spread. So they haven't really stepped up to the table and delivered in roles like this. I'm going to close this out with our incredible stat from the Playbook Football Newsletter this week. And what it basically says is this. And I, I looked this up, and I did it in my database, and I was astounded at what it is that I found. Since the AP rankings, you go back to 1981, when you've had a, uh, a matchup of a number one team versus a number two team in the regular season in the AP polls, the, when the number one team has been the underdog, as is the case here with LSU, the number one ranked team in the nation in the AP poll, the underdog in these matchups They've been eight times they've dressed up as an underdog, number one ranked team is. They've won the game straight up all eight times, the number one undefeated dog in these number one AP battles since 1980. With LSU playing with this humiliating revenge from last year and owning the better offense and the better defense in the football game, I'm going to grab the points with the Bengals in the game I see coming down to a field goal. I'll take the points with LSU. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down our NFL game of the week. We've got a pretty good matchup involving two possible playoff teams. We'll do that and hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread.
3: If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Andy's statistical and fundamental take on every week's football card is comprehensive and visionary. Many say it's like money in the bank. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at
0: TheLogicalApproach.com. All new PlayBucks tokens are here.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. Let's hop over to our NFL game of the week. We've got a dandy of an intra conference matchup when the L.A. Rams invade Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Victor, how do you see the Rams and the Steelers making out this Sunday?
2: Well, the early action is definitely on a low-scoring game. It opened 45-and-a-half. It's down to 43-and-a-half. There's a couple of 44s out there in this particular non-conference game. It's one of only two late afternoon kickoffs in the NFL. Remember, this is that week of the season in which six teams are off because of the bye. So it's a significantly reduced uh, week of the season in the NFL. This is one of the only two late afternoon kickoffs. And both teams come in with, excuse me, three and five over-under records on the season for the Rams, average line fifty. Average score in Ram games, 48.5. Average game under by a point and a half. For the Steelers, their average line this season has been 44.5. And the average Steeler game has finished at 43.1. Now, this game jumps out at me as a Rams fan for one number one reason. And it's the lowest over-under line for a Rams game since late in the 2017 season. Back in November, they had a line of 42 versus the New York Giants in the 2017 season. So this is the lowest over underline in 36 games for the L.A. Rams. And no, they don't quite have the offense that they did last season, but the defense is showing some really, really nice uh, signs of improvement. In fact, in their last two games, both wins, they allowed only 10 points each. I know we got a number 11 versus a number 12 on defense this season both teams allowing less than 22 points per game. And as road chalk, the Rams were a dynamic under-team last season. In fact, dating back to the beginning of last year, the Rams have gone 1-8 over-under in the last two years as road favorites of greater than two points. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, if this were, oh, 2000 through 2017, and it's a Pittsburgh home game, I would automatically be on the over. This used to be one of the best home over stadiums in the NFL. From 2013 to 2018, the Steelers went 24-9 and over-under as home favorites. But definitely not lately. And, of course, we have two things in play here. Number one, Ben Roethlisberger is not quarterbacking the Steelers in this game. And number two, they are actually a home underdog, a rare role for them over the last decade. In the last five years, they've gone one and six over under in their last seven home underdog roles. To me, the line is right where it should be, Mark. At a line of 46 or 47 points, I'd be going low. I'd be betting the under. At a line of 40 to 41 points... I'd be going high. I'd be betting the over. But at 43.5 to 44, the line is right where it should be. I'm going to be standing pat in this game. I'm going to be passing in this particular game. There's a handful of other NFL games that we feel much stronger about, but we're going to stand pat and pass in terms of the total, although I'm sure you have something in regards to the side there.
1: Victor says he's going to pass, He'll watch the over-under totals. If he sees 46, he'll go under. If this thing drops closer to the 41 or 42 range, which probably only weather would dictate that, he'll look to the under. But right now, it's an official pass on him for the total in the football game. The Rams come into this football contest with a week of rest after having played in London. And the reason I'm bringing that up is this, guys. In the 2019 playbook, Black Book, we have an article. I bet you did no article in there called My Favorite Memory, a big Merle Haggard fan I am, and I titled it after him. And basically what it means is simply that teams who come back from London and play into a football game where there's a total of 44 or fewer points with a week of rest have performed really, really well. That favors the Rams in this particular contest. They are, however... 0-4 straight up and to the spread the last four games in this series, having been outscored 102-26 in those four football games. The Rams also just 1-8 straight up, 1-7-1 to the spread against 500 or better teams that reside in the AFC North. The Pittsburgh Steelers come into this football contest here. Feeling pretty good about themselves right now at this stage of the season. They've rebounded from an 0-3 start. They've won their last three games and are now deeply in the run in the AFC North to catch the Baltimore Ravens for the top spot. Pittsburgh 8-1 to the spread at home with a 500 or better record when hosting a rested opponent. Victor mentions the home dog role that they're in is really kind of a rare one. Mike Tomlin has been a home dog in his NFL career 14 times. He's only lost to the spread twice. 6-1 6-1 straight up and to the spread at home against the NFC West is Mike Tomlin in his career. Also, Pittsburgh 5-1 to the number the last six games against the NFC. When Pittsburgh has been at home off a win, taking on an opponent that's off back-to-back wins, they are 17-2 straight up, 15-2-2 two two of the spread, including a perfect 11-0 and 0 straight up and to the number against non-division teams. I'll back the Steelers in this football contest in this coast-to-coast matchup. I'll take the points with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments in the show as we join our good friend Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe and what's going on in Las Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you in Vegas? And has it warmed up any at all since we talked to you last?
4: Well, good morning, Mark, and uh, yes, the weather is back to uh, relatively normal conditions, at least during the day. It does get a little chilly overnight, but we've been up in the 70s during the daytime and uh, makes it a lot easier to run around and bounce back and forth between books, check numbers, and not have to check if you left your overcoat anywhere.
1: Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, enjoying the weather for what it is right now as we speak. And before we get into Andy's overview of what the contest situation is in Las Vegas, I want to encourage your listeners out there to download a copy of his Logical Approach Football newsletter this week. Andy takes a deep dive into the National Football League, and he tears it apart by the numbers. And this is really a great exercise for money-line players, given the fact that he goes back to 1982, and he breaks down games in price ranges uh, various different odds price ranges to find out how favorites have done winning games either at home or away. Like I say, a good resourceful tool to use when you're betting money lines of football games, aside from the fact that he's got great in-depth analysis of the entire college and pro football cards. That's the Logical Approach Football Newsletter. Get it now online at thelogicalapproach.com. And with that, Andy, I know things are probably, I'm going to guess things are probably tightening up a little bit in the Superbook Contest. I know it was kind of like a a racehorse pulling out to a a big lead and uh, running away from the pack. But when we talked to you last, that wasn't the case. And I'm going to only guess that our leader, who has led for so long, may not be leading as we're speaking right now.
4: Ah, uh, you must have been speaking to some little birdies because yes indeed the season long leader who at one point was twenty-seven and three has gone into a little bit of a slump. He's actually slipped into second place, still with a very fine record, but the leader now thirty-three, eleven, and one. That's thirty-three and a half out of a possible forty-five. 45- Points, which translates to a winning percentage of 74.4%. mentioned a few minutes a few moments ago, 27 and 3 was 90% after uh, 6 weeks. We knew that couldn't uh, hold up and we're now back. 74.4% is a reasonable winning percentage this deep into the season and is somewhat uh, what uh, represents the winning percentages over the last few years. I mean, Recall, we've now got over 3,300 contestants. You're going to have some outliers but let me just break it down a little Bit further, Uh, rather than just go through the individual numbers, uh, there there are are, uh, a total of 120 contestants in the money right now. Uh, That's uh, in individual places and ties for the 100 paying positions. So a number of people are tied for that. uh, uh, Those final few. Uh, paying positions but 120 are in the money that means that they have at least 28 or more points out of a possible 45 and that translates into a winning percentage of 62.2 percent so said another way if you're hitting 62.2 percent in the super contest this year uh you are in cashing position as we've just passed the halfway mark nine out of the uh, 17 weeks looking at the overall results from last week not a very good week at all in fact the top Five consensus plays in the Superbook Classic Contest, 0-4-1. The lone winner last week – excuse me, the lone push last week – was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who when the contest line came out, uh, Seattle was still a six-point favorite. Of course, that line dropped, and if you played Seattle later in the week, you you, you covered with them in overtime, If you played Tampa Bay later in the week, you lost, but at plus six, Tampa Bay was the only bright spot for the uh, consensus players this week. Uh, The uh, contest losers favorites, the Browns, the Packers, and the Patriots, and one underdog was a loser, and it's a little bit of an uh, understanding why they were, uh, actually, not why they were underdogs. Minnesota Vikings, Vikings were, for contest purposes, two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Uh, When the Lions come out on Wednesday afternoon last week, there was some expectation that Patrick Mahomes might indeed play, and if so, Kansas City uh, would have been a favorite, but uh, based on the percentages, they made him a very small favorite. Of course, he did not play, and yet the Chiefs won anyway. So 0-4-1 for the top five consensus for the season. That's now 21-23-1 push favorites were four and six last uh, last week that's uh, uh, when the contestants are on the favorite side of a game 32 43 and two for the year underdogs oh three and one that's 26 27 and one for the season overall including a pair of pick'em games uh, 58 72 and three for the season in the super contest classic as far as the Super Contest Gold, uh, they fared barely better in the consensus. They went 1-3-1 and one last week. Their one consensus winner was on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the uh, losers were favorites, the Browns and Patriots, and also the underdog Vikings. And, of course, uh, Tampa Bay pushed. Uh, they were the fifth consensus uh, selection last week. Actually, they were the number two selection, but for uh, this report, mention them fifth. Uh, For the year, 23-24-2, so a losing record for the consensus. The leaders in the um, winner-take-all $5,000 entry fee Super Contest Gold, there are two contestants tied at 29-15-1. That's 29.5 of a possible 45 points, which equates to a 65.6 winning percentage. Overall, there are 35 that are within five uh, points of the lead, that's fifty four point four percent. So you can tell from the smaller field, only about one hundred and seventeen entries there. If you're fifty four, if you're hitting fifty four point four percent, you're within five points of taking the lead with still eight weeks remaining. We'll go to the new contest now, which is the uh, Circa contest. That's the one thousand dollar entry fee patterned around the uh, Super Contest at the Westgate with one unique twist, and that's the quarterly prizes. We are at the start of the third quarter of the four quarters, weeks nine through 13. The quarter prize is roughly $144,000 for the contestant or contestants who have the best record over the uh, four-week period, uh, weeks nine through 12. Uh, There were 28 contestants, who got off to a really good start for quarter three? they went five and oh the leader in the contestant thirty two and a half of a possible forty five points that 's close to what it is in the westgate uh, contest seventy two point two percent for the uh, lead. There are two contestants a half point back another six per, uh, contestants a game and a half out of the lead, and two more at two games out of the lead as far as last week. The consensus was 0 and 5. Here again, uh, we saw. Uh Three favorites, the Colts laying one at the Steelers, the Browns laying three and a half at the uh, Broncos, and the Packers laying three and a half at the Chargers. Those were uh, consensus losers among favorites. The underdogs that failed to come through, I was really surprised that uh, this was such a popular pick. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, were one of the top picks last week. They were getting one and a half in the game at London against the Texas, uh, Texans, and that the uh, uh, unusual game between the Chiefs and Vikings, where they had to make a line. They made the Chiefs a two-point favorite. The Vikings were actually the number one overall consensus pick in the circuit contest. Uh, they were uh, uh, a, a loser as well. So, zero and five for the week twenty. 20- 23 and two for the season as far as the favorites go 34 20 excuse me 34 37 with one push after going four and five last week the underdogs had been doing very well they still have a winning record despite going one and four last week overall 34 26 with one push Uh, including or considering the uh, Pick'em games and the games in which there were even splits. There was one such game, 68, 64, and two for the season. And finally, for the uh, Golden Nugget contest, that's the contest that combines college and pro football, sides only, uh, no totals. You make seven selections a week. There are two leaders atop the contest. After uh, nine weeks of play, a total of 63 picks have been made. And those two contestants have 42 of a possible 63 points. That works out to exactly 66.67%. Uh, there are two contestants a half point uh, back, another contestant a point out of the lead. And it's very tightly bunched. You've got, um, looks like, about 18 contestants within uh, three and a half points of the lead in the Golden Nugget with uh, uh, eight weeks remaining.
1: Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas with an overview of the current status of what's going on in the major contests in Las Vegas. And Andy, as you always do on the show, I know our listeners would like to know what line moves that you've seen from the Westgate from last week's uh, early advance lines, if you will. And perhaps a look at Next week's advance lines from the Westgate, I'll give you the honors if you would.
4: Sure. Not, not a huge number of, of line moves. And we sort of see that at this time of the year. And actually, a lot of the line movement that does occur now does occur prior to the weekend's games, uh, where we now have a, a database of, well, now half a season with which to gaze where these lines are likely to go up or down. And a lot of the professionals will get involved early. We mentioned last week, the game with New England and Baltimore turned out not to matter. But the Patriots were six and a half point favorites when that line came out uh a week before the game it got bet all the way down to four and a half before it went back up after uh, the uh, Patriots game last week, of course it went down to a uh, three, three and a half, but uh, we do see a lot of movement before. In fact, the Thursday night game uh, between the Chargers and Raiders in Oakland, that game was pick, but prior to the game coming down on Sunday, before these, uh, so this past Sunday's games were played, the Raiders had been bet to a two and a half point home favorite. However, following the game, Of course, the Chargers uh, uh, had the uh, impressive home win over Green Bay. Raiders, pretty solid win at home over Detroit, but more uh, weight given to what the Chargers did against the Packers. When that line came up after being taken down with the Raiders' 2.5-point favorites, it was put up again with Oakland, a 1-point favorite this time. So a move of of 1.5 from where it had been taken off, and yet the money has continued to come in on the Chargers. Chargers now a -a 1.5-point road favorite for Thursday night. Arizona, Arizona at Tampa Bay this has been an interesting one because the advanced line was Tampa Bay Uh, 5.5. Now that line, of course, was posted before Arizona played well in their home loss last Thursday to San Francisco, and Tampa Bay gave a great accounting of themselves coming up short in overtime in their loss at Seattle. Tampa Bay, a a 5.5 point favorite last week. There was no real movement on that game prior to Sunday. The line was reposted with Tampa Bay a 6-point home favorite, yet that line has been bet down through the uh, previous number, the early number of 5.5, to where Tampa Bay is now a a 4.5 point point uh, home favorite Giants and Jets the Jets were one and a half point home favorites in the advance line when the game came up or when the line was reposted on Sunday afternoon following Uh, The Jets' loss to Miami, the game was posted at pick'em, so an an understandable adjustment. It was immediately bet up to the Giants, two and a half. Then the Giants, of course, uh, played well for a good part of their game Monday night against Dallas, but came up short. Uh, And then when it was reposted, it continued to be right there at two and a half, so really no adjustment from uh, what we saw from the Giants on Monday night. Uh, the uh, Baltimore Ravens were a 10-point favorite at Cincinnati. Of course, by weeks last week uh, when this line came back up. Uh, the Ravens, uh, following their win at New England, were reposted as 10-point favorites uh, or, or over New England. There was a home win for the Ravens. Uh, they were reposted as 10-point favorites, yet the early money has come in. On uh, Cincinnati Ravens now nine and a half possibly looking for something out of the coaching change or the quarterback change in Cincinnati. Green Bay is an interesting uh, game as well. Uh, they were seven point advance home favorites over Carolina. Uh, they were bet down to six and a half before the games were played this past weekend. After Green Bay lost at uh, the Chargers and Carolina won their game against Tennessee. There was a one-and-a-half-point adjustment with Green Bay, a five-point home favorite. Got bet up to five-and-a-half, then down to four-and-a-half, and now has settled in at most places with Green Bay, a five-point road fa- uh, home favorite. Excuse me. Just two more to really uh, mention. Detroit at Chicago. The advanced Lion had the Bears three-and-a-half-point home favorites. They were bet down to three-point home favorites before the game was taken off this past weekend. When the line came back up after the uh, uh, the Bears uh, lost uh, uh, once again uh, an ugly effort for them against uh, Philadelphia despite their uh, second-half rally, Detroit competitive in a game that was close throughout their loss in Oakland, the Bears were posted right there at the three where they were taken down. However, the money has come in and actually pushed it below that key number where you can find the Bears now in many places, two-and-a-half-point home favorites. And finally, the Miami Dolphins off their first win and what may be their only win of the season over the Jets. Uh, they are at Indianapolis. The advance line in this game was 15.5-1. It was bet down slightly before the game was taken off to 14-and-a-half by uh, the Indianapolis Colts. It did cross, cross somewhat of a key number of 14. When the game was reposted Sunday afternoon, the Dolphins had already pulled the upset. Uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, was injured. His status was at the time was unknown as uh, uh, Brian Hoyer took over. So there was a point-and-a-half adjustment with the Colts, uh, a 13-point a home favorite it's been bet down to 10 even though the current status as we are doing this podcast has Brissett listed as questionable due to the ankle injury i guess the bettors are probably not betting so much on miami but they're probably thinking that in their opinion Brissett is more unlikely than likely to play and finally the rams three and a half point uh road favorites at pittsburgh the Rams on their bye last week. Pittsburgh with a uh, dodged a late second field goal miss by Adam Vinatieri to uh, hold on for a 26-24 win over the Colts. Uh, that game was taken down and reposted at the same Rams 3.5. That was actually bet up as high as 4.5 in the first 24-36 hours of betting. It settled back in at 3.5 Rams at uh, pittsburgh over the steelers as to the advanced lines that came out this past tuesday for week 11 of the regular season which gets underway thursday november 14th pittsburgh will be at cleveland the cleveland browns three-point home favorites in that contest sunday november 17th dallas will be at detroit the cowboys two-and-a-half-point road favorites. New Orleans will be at Tampa Bay. The Saints favored by four-and-a-half on the road. Atlanta will be at Carolina, where the Panthers are seven-point home favorites. Jacksonville will be at Indianapolis. The Colts, three-and-a-half-point home favorites. Maybe a little bit surprised that they did put a line up on that game, simply because the Westgate has been somewhat cautious when there have been questions about uh, starting quarterbacks. We still have that issue with Jacoby Brissett. Nonetheless, Indianapolis favored by three and a half at home against Jacksonville. Interconference game, Denver at Minnesota. The Vikings, 10 and a half point home favorites. The Jets at Washington in another one of those must-see NFL games. Must-see. Why? Because you can bet on it. And if you do in this game, Washington right now, one and a half point home favorites over the New York Jets. Buffalo will be in Miami to face the Dolphins. The Bills favored by seven and a half On the road, Houston at Baltimore, a potential matchup of a pair of uh, playoff teams. Baltimore, a five-point home favorite. Arizona has a quick turnaround rematch at San Francisco. They played in week nine in Arizona. They'll play again in week 11 in San Francisco. San Francisco, a 14-point home favorite. In the rematch. It'll be interesting to see about that game because those games for 49ers against Arizona sandwiched around this Monday night's game against Seattle. New England will return from its bye at Philadelphia. Patriots three point road favorites. Cincinnati at Oakland, where the Raiders are favored by eight. The Bears of Chicago will be at the Rams. That's the Sunday night game next week. The Rams, seven and a half point home favorites. Monday, November 18th, Kansas City will be facing the L.A. Chargers in a game played at Mexico City, assuming the field does not have the issues that uh, forced removal of that game last year. Kansas City right now a three-point neutral site favorite over the Chargers, and that is based upon the expectation that Patrick Mahomes will be available, as he's likely to be available in this week's game at... Tennessee.
1: That was Andy Isco with not only the line moves that have happened in Las Vegas thus far this week, based off last week's numbers, but also an advanced look at the lines next week posted at the Superbook contest in Las Vegas. And Victor, before we get to Andy's complimentary plate on the show, I know you've got a question you'd like to run by him as well.
2: I just wanted to get Andy's opinion on the Sunday night game last week. That would be the, of course, the uh, Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens game. Andy, was it easy as this? The Sharps were on the home dog and covered with the Ravens while well, a lot of the squares may have laid the points with the Patriots in that game?
4: Oh, absolutely. And I was I was with the squares on that one. I thought that getting New England at minus three was an attractive number. You don't see that often for a Bill Belichick coach team, especially one that's been playing as well as the Patriots had, undefeated at the time. Did I think the Patriots... Could lose at Baltimore? Absolutely. Baltimore's played extremely well, but given Belichick's record, uh, the uh, uh, going against young quarterbacks, there was reason to believe that he'd have something designed uh, to contain Lamar Jackson. And maybe it's a testament to just how good Lamar Jackson is that even the great Bill Belichick was stumped by his performance uh, last week. So, was I surprised that Baltimore? Uh, One, no, not at all. Did I think it could happen? Absolutely, Uh, yes. The wise guys – well, as I mentioned, I think during the review uh, of the line moves that – uh, that New England was a six and a half point favorite, and the wise guys did wait until this week, until the, the, the following weekend's actions to get involved. They bet that down to four and a half when the game came off, when it was reposted and went down to three, three and a half. The value quote had been taken out, but the wise guys who did get involved still saw value in New Orleans. I mean, in, in, in Baltimore going against New England. And really, when you take a look at it, Bill Belichick, clearly the best coach, coach out there right now best coach of our generation. Possibly the argument can be made and I would, I would side with the argument best coach of all time. On the other hand, John Harbaugh, he's right up there in the list of those coaches that you might put right behind Belichick who are coaching today. You might put him along with a Pete Carroll. You might put him with uh, uh, a a Sean Payton of New Orleans based upon their success. And despite criticism for in-game decisions, sometimes Mike Tomlin has to be considered up there. So uh, not surprising that uh, John Harbaugh was well-prepared. Just uh, expected uh, – Understood why the wise guys played New England in the game. Uh, I was just on the other side, and uh, wise guys chalk it up, one nothing for them.
1: Andy, uh, before I get your complimentary play, real quickly, I'd like to know uh, what your opinion is, is whether or not you feel that the linesmakers in Las Vegas have revised or readjusted their power rating on the Miami Dolphins since their disastrous beginning to the season this year. Now, I know there's been a big move toward them Maybe because, as you mentioned, because of the Jacoby Brissett injury situation, but it appears that the numbers are getting smaller and smaller with the Dolphins. And is that because of the improvement we've seen, or is it because of situations that are occurring at that time?
4: I think it may be a combination of both. I mean, even to get uh, when you consider what is it the the Colts. I think all of their games have been decided by seven points or less, and there they were laying more than double that uh, in the in the look ahead line, and uh, the line is lower than that mainly because the uh, concern about Brissett. I think there have been adjustments made more so to the fact that uh, the, that the Dolphins, when you watch it, their statistics are still horrible a lot of that relates back to their first few weeks of the season. And their statistics are going to be horrible for a long time, regardless of what improvement they show, because of the fact that those were really ugly numbers for the first three, four weeks of the season, which brings to mind the point that when you evaluate some of these teams now in midseason, you may want to take a look. I like to use, for example, four-game rolling averages, a quarter of the season rolling at any one point in time. And there you'll see Miami's have been much more competitive. So I think the lines-makers are... Are making the adjustments because the Dolphins have been more competitive, even in games where they stepped up in class against, for example, a Pittsburgh where they led 14 nothing before ultimately ultimately losing uh, by 13, covering the 14 point line uh, by one point. So I think that's part of it. May also re- be related to we now have a better feel for the competition that they are facing on a uh, week-to-week basis. And some of the teams that they have been facing uh, have also uh, struggled as well. So those lines have been deflated when they face some of the weaker teams, the Washingtons and the Jets, for example.
1: A little bit of insight from a Vegas professional. Andy Yasko likes to use those rolling four-game lines or four-game assessments in adjusting what's happening with teams as opposed to season-long numbers. And Miami Dolphins might be the perfect epitome of that reasoning. With that, Andy, I'd like to know what you've got for your complimentary play on the show, and so too would our listeners as well.
4: Well, there's the old adage that applies in so many areas of life. The stock market comes to mind. You want to buy low and sell high. And so when you look at the teams right now in the NFL to buy low, there's no shortage of those teams. Uh, A case can certainly be made for Chicago in an opportune time. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the Chargers were a uh, buy low team. I'm going to go with uh, your former hometown team, the Cleveland Browns. This week they are uh, at home. Uh, They are facing the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the advanced line in this game, as I mentioned earlier, uh, did have Cleveland favored in the contest, uh, uh by, um, Two-and-a-half was bet up to three. They've adjusted it down to two-and-a-half. And, of course, we saw the the line move last week, which was really due uh, in Cleveland uh, in the game against at Denver, was due to Joe Flacco being out for uh, Denver. And so it went from Denver a one-point favorite to Cleveland uh, three to a three-to-a-four-point road favorite. And, of course, uh, Cleveland uh, went up against a tough Denver defense and uh, came up short. Uh, now they're going up against the Buffalo team. And you wonder, when you look on the surface, Cleveland two-and-six, Buffalo six-and-two is cleveland favored over the buffalo bills well if you look into what buffalo has done this year they've benefited from what was clearly known to be a very advantageous early season schedule of their six wins five of them have been against the jets the giants the Bengals, the dolphins and the redskins those five teams are combined five and thirty seven Cleveland has played a, a better f- overall competition despite the fact that uh, they were beaten uh, worse by New England than was Buffalo uh, but they did show their potential winning on the road at Baltimore 40 to 25 in a game that was no fluke they gained 530 yards of total offense in that win at the Ravens and overall for the season the Cleveland ground game has done uh, very well averaging 5.2 yards per rush uh, the concern the alarming concern for Cleveland is their minus 8 turnover margin so uh the the browns have half talent uh, the the coaching staff uh, the quarterback mayfield they've come under a lot of criticism uh but one of the thing here and, and the reason why they're favored i think is that the lines makers understand how stats and records can often be very uh misleading because you would normally think that buffalo would be uh if not a field goal favorite, at least a point and a half or a two point favorite, considering how these teams have played. But one thing to keep in mind, and one thing that adds to my negatives for Buffalo this week, is they're playing their first road game uh, since Week Five of the season. We've seen a lot of situations where teams have played uh, a lot of games away from home over an extended period of time. This one goes back, uh, you know, basically, uh, uh, you know, we're in we're in Week Ten right now, and their last game was uh, basically half a half of the current season ago we've seen tampa bay and oakland endure some very difficult situations so i'm going to look for things to catch up with buffalo this week josh allen's not shown the kind of progress uh, that uh, he indicated he might show from his performance last year so i'm going to go with an ugly team uh, the fact that they're favored does not concern me in fact i kind of like the fact that cleveland's disappointed everyone uh, thus far this season now i think is the time to be on them
1: Andy Isco on the Cleveland Browns this week. He'll make the Dog Pound fans in Cleveland happy with his choice on Cleveland this week over the Buffalo Bills. Once again, Andy, uh, great job on the show this week. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week. And we'll look forward, as always, to visiting you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
4: Mark, Victor, the best of luck to you and to all of our listeners as well this weekend.
1: That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, we'll put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you our awesome angle of the week along with Victor and my complimentary plays when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
0: You need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting
3: for from the hot South Florida sun. It's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week.
1: All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week this week, we call it Military Matters. And what we're looking to do is to play against any college football military team as a favorite of more than 15 points if they faced a fellow military team in their previous game. Really simple. A military team off a military game laying 15 or more points. We do that because these teams are just 2-8 against the spread going all the way back to nineteen eighty. That becomes an 80% play against situation, and with that, we'll fade Air Force when they take on New Mexico for our awesome angle play on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap for his complimentary play and also on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend. Victor, if you would.
2: Absolutely, Mark. Uh, College football, four-star over of the week. It goes in Saturday night action. And uh, we'll see if we can maintain that number one ranking in college football winning percentage for the season. That selection will be available at the playbook.com website uh, sometime on Thursday afternoon, as will our four star over of the week in the NFL. Last week, uh, it was Tuco who brought home the bacon again by a half a point. He had the Buffalo Bills over 23 and a half points against the Washington Redskins. They barely got it in with 24 points. Tuco's gone 7-2 right now with his team totals. We're going to give him the week off in regards to the podcast here. And uh, instead, we're going under the total in a game in which I don't anticipate a lot of people are going to be joining us on. And that's okay by me. And it's under the total Arizona versus Tampa Bay. That's the Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, both teams are off high-scoring results last week. So, again, it would not be a surprise to see some of the squares not joining us in this game. That's okay. We know the value in this game is on the under. A Arizona-Tampa series, which has gone 80% under the total in the last 10 meetings. Average points only 39.8 points per game. And besides when I run all the various different scenarios and situations into our database, the under comes out as the clear-cut play. Number one, Tampa was the highest-scoring road team in the league last week. We know we were on them over the total against the Seattle Seahawks, in which they scored 34 points. With that said, in the last two seasons— Non-division favorites who scored 34 or more on the road in their last game have gone 2-19 over-under. That applies to the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers this particular week. The loss to Seattle also went into overtime for the Buccaneers. In the last three seasons, NFL favorites off a road overtime loss have gone a perfect 0-7 over-under. That applies to the Buccaneers, who also come into this game against the Cardinals on a four-game straight-up an ATS losing streak. This goes back to 2010 from the database. One and nine over-under. Game 15 or less favorites of a field goal or more. That's Tampa, who entered the game off four or more straight-up in ATS losses in a row when the over-under line is 41 or more points. And believe me, folks, I know Tampa is on a current five-game over the total streak. However, The database tells us that NFL home favorites of five or more overs in a row have gone a perfect 0-7 over-under. On the flip side, Arizona lost as a double-digit dog in their uh, last week. They did get the cash in that Thursday night game against the San Francisco 49ers. The database says that underdogs off a straight-up loss but an ATS win in a game in which they were a double-digit dog, like the Cardinals have gone 0-8 and 1 over/under in the last three years. The clincher for me: Tampa, great over team on the road, great under team at home, particularly as chalk. Tampa Bay 6:30 and one over/under as conference home favorites of a field goal or more when the over/under line is 38 or greater. We're going to let the squares put the over in this game. We know the value. We're going under the total Arizona-Tampa Bay. That's our free play of the week. Don't forget the uh, playbook newsletters, playbook newsletter, the um, midweek alert newsletter, which I believe, let me see here. Yes, a very, very nice run. I'm, I'm showing 12-2 and run. 12-2 and one, midweek alert newsletter, last five weeks. Now's the time to get on board and the total stip sheet as well. But again, our free play, Cardinals, Buccaneers, under the total.
1: He's under the total in the cardinals Bucks game for his complimentary play on the show this week. And be sure to log on at playbook.com this weekend for all of King Creole's plays. You'll be glad you did. Before I get to my complimentary play on the card this week, once again, I want to remind our listeners about the special offer from my bookie, They're the only offshore sports book that I, Mark Lawrence, personally endorse. You can log on at mybookie.ag, sign up, use the playbook, use playbook for the promo code. That's playbook for your promo code to get a free sign-up bonus at mybookie.ag or call them toll free. The number is 1-844-866-2387. That's 1-844-866-BETS. A quick note here that our annual once-a-year $49 Fan Appreciation Weekend of Winners will kick off this Saturday. It will include every college and pro football release I make this Saturday through Monday, all for just $49 complete, including our college football and NFL games of the week. You can log on at playbook.com or give the office a call toll-free for the $49 Fan Appreciation Weekend of Winners at 1-800-321-7777. And with that, let's get to my complimentary play on the college football card this week. We're going to take a look at the Louisville Cardinals and take the points against Miami of Florida in an ACC battle this week. Miami comes in off their big win over Florida State last week, knowing they're just 2-9 and nine to the spread as favorites after taking on Florida State, including 0-8 to the spread, as favorites of four or more points. And if you take a look at what Miami's done statistically thus far this football season here, they, are, they were plus 44 net stats in games played in October. You say that might be okay. Yeah, it might be okay. But if you take a look at what they were in September and combine the two, they're slipped 47 net yards a game since the beginning of the season, in their play through October. They've been going backwards statistically Have the Hurricanes. Louisville comes into the contest here. Both teams need one win to become bowl eligible. The Cardinals playing with a week of rest. Head coach Scott Satterfield, who came over from Appalachian State to take over this program, is outstanding in his career on the Conference Road, where he is 17-5 and five straight up and 14-8 and eight to the number including a 14-2 straight up and 12-4 and of the number when coming off a conference game. We'll grab up the points with Louisville for a complimentary play on the card this week on Saturday. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports and our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. And for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above until next week. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.